Is your career not quite moving in the direction you want it to? That's because building the career you want is no longer about climbing the ladder of success. Technology and the speed of information have made advancing in your career more like climbing a rock wall. Thankfully, you found the Career Progressions Podcast brought to you by RevealedTalent.com. I'm your career advocate, Mark Holt. Our podcast focuses on the stories of career pros and experts who have climbed before you. What they will share with you will help you find the climbing holes they use to get to where they are today. Their stories will help you be proactive, be intentional, and keep moving forward. Well, on our last podcast, Dr. Marshall Goldsmith joined us in an engaging conversation about his latest book, The Earned Life, and how it can help career-minded professionals like you unlocked an earned life. Dr. Goldsmith is the New York Times best-selling author of the critically acclaimed book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. He's also been recognized as one of the top 10 business thinkers in the world, and he's coached many of the world's most successful leaders. He's returned today to continue the conversation about how earning your career can lead to the highest level of fulfillment in your career. Thanks for sticking around for part two, Marshall. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for inviting me back. It's great to have you here. So, hey, last week we talked a lot about how an earned life or career is locked in this battle between regret and fulfillment and defined as an earned life as a life where choices, risks, and effort we make in each moment align with an overarching purpose regardless of the eventual outcome. So today, let's start with the goal of an earned life. In the book, you said the goal of an earned life is to live your life, not some version of it. Commit yourself to the habit of earning every day and attach your earning moments to something greater than personal ambition. So what does that look like specifically for somebody who's trying to find greater fulfillment in their career? Well. If we look at life, I talk about an ongoing drama involving our aspirations, that's our higher purpose in life, our ambitions, which are our achievement, and our day-to-day actions. And very important to look at these three elements. Now, historically, human beings have just been focused on day-to-day actions. Our ancestors were very poor people. They didn't have time for great achievements or lofty aspirations. They were just staying alive. And most human beings, most human beings today are kind of in that mode. They're living day-to-day lives. They play video games. They do what's in front of you. Most of your listeners and most of the people that I work with don't have that problem. I'm going to describe their typical problem in a second. Some people are lost in their heads. That is, they have lofty aspirations. They have wonderful idyllic goals. They don't really do much to achieve those goals. They may not even enjoy the process of life. For example, many human services leaders that I've met, some, I won't say many, some I've met, love humanity. They just hate human beings. They can't stand people. They love the concept of humanity. They just don't like real people at all. Well, they're lost up there in the sky. Most people I work with and most of your listeners are, are ambitious people. They get lost in that ambition phase. And they can be addicted to what I call addiction to achievement. The belief that once I achieve something, everything is going to be okay. Hmm. 
And one of the things I teach in the book is never become addicted to results. And in fact, never place your value as a human being based on results. That's one thing that throws off job seekers. They get that rejected rejection and start feeling bad about themselves as human beings. They're placing their value as a person based on results. Now, in the book, I have a, a good story, a parable of the golfer and the beer can. Yeah. And the point is, play the shot in front of you. So the story is this. There's a golfer that's going down to the course, you know, local country club, has a chance to win the club championship. Now it's the last day. He's all excited. Force him in front of him, drinking, making noise, very annoying. He just tries to get over it. And he's on that last hole. He has a chance to win. Boom, hits the drive. Looks great. Drive is going out there. All of a sudden, something happens. And it careams off into the, into the rough. It's like, what's going on? What was that? He walks over to the ball and he sees a beer can. Huh. The ball has hit a beer can. The idiots in front of him have left. Oh, he's incredibly angry. This could ruin his chances. He's walking to the ball. What does the golfer need to do? Let go of attachment to results. Number one, breathe. The drive is over. That shot is done. Mm -hmm. Two, you're not going to do anything about the idiots. The beer can event, done. Three, don't fixate on winning the tournament. That's a distraction. You walk to the ball. You come up with a strategy. You breathe. And you hit the shot in front of you. You hit the shot in front of you. You don't think about winning the tournament. You don't think about the idiots. You don't think about the drive. You hit the shot. You have a strategy. If your strategy is go for the green, go for the green. Your strategy is go for the fairway, go for the fairway. Whatever your strategy is, come up with your strategy, hit the shot. All any of us can do, all those people listening can do, hit the shot in front of you. Hit the shot in front of you. That's the only shot we're ever going to be able to hit. And by the way, sometimes we're in the rough. Yeah. You're in the rough. You're in the rough. Okay. I'm not saying it's easy. You still got to hit the shot in front of you. That's right. You know, when you were talking about breathing, that reminded me of something else in the book that I think is going to apply very well to where we are in this conversation. So one of the things that gets in the way of us living an earned life is getting distracted by the mistakes in our past, maybe the bad shot, or getting lost in the dream of the future, winning the tournament. So in the book, you offer the every breath paradigm as a way to guard against that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm going to practice also. One of the things I really try to do is help people have a better life. Mm. And I you know, hope people are listening to have better careers. I'd also like them to have a better life. And I'm going to teach you something that hopefully is going to help you have a better life. I'm going to give you a couple of exercises from the book. Now, the first way to look at life is every time I take, take a deep breath, it's a new me. So I want you to take a deep breath and think, new me, new mm. me. Now, everything that happened before this second in your life was done by an infinite set of people. They were called the previous me's, the previous years. Think of all those previous years. Yeah. Think of the gifts that they have given the youth that's listening to me right now. Think about the nice things they've done, how hard they tried. If any group of people did that many good things, what should you say to those people? Thank you. Yeah. Just say thank you. Now, did some of the previous renditions of ourselves make some mistakes? Of course they did. 
who's the first person to forgive? We need to forgive ourselves. I've asked thousands of parents around the world this question. When a child grows up, I want my child to be, number one word, happy. No matter what country I'm in, happy. You want your kid to be happy? Be happy. You want your people, your friends to forgive themselves? You go first. Forgive yourself and don't carry it around. We've all made mistakes. The first person we need to forgive is ourselves. Forgive yourself for being a human. Then after that, I got a couple of exercises I love in the book. Write a letter to one of the previous versions of yourself. Maybe they did something good. Yeah. Dear previous me in, I don't know, 1997, you know, thank you so much for working out so much. It made a difference today or for taking swimming lessons. I just saved somebody or saved my life. Thank you for something you did. Then write another letter to the you for 10 years today, 10 years from today and say, you know, I hear some sacrifices I'm making right now to help you. Hmm. And here's what I'd like you to do 10 years from today, based on the sacrifice I'm making for you, that 10 year version today, right now. Let me tell you what inspired that. And this one wasn't such a happy story. One of my CEO clients said in our little transitioning group, you know, for the last, I don't know, 40 years, I worked about 80 hours a week with one goal. I worked so hard. So my children would never have to work that hard. Mm. And he said it was the biggest mistake I could have made for myself or for my children. They're lazy. They don't have good values. They're ungrateful. They're bums. Mm. Well, he made a mistake. He gave his children a gift, money. He didn't make an investment. Mm. He didn't say, look, here's some money. I'm willing to share this with you if you do something meaningful with your life. If. You do something you really enjoy in life that's important. Uh, And if you're grateful, if you're grateful, and by the way, if you don't want to be grateful and you don't want to do something meaningful, why am I doing this? Hmm. I'm probably doing more harm than good. Yeah. Well, look at your future that way. You're making an investment in the future versions of yourself. Let the future versions of yourself know, hey, remember me back here. I I love this idea of holding your future self accountable to doing something to appreciate the work that I'm doing today. I think that's really powerful. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm working out. Remember this? I'm working out to help you get in shape. That's right. (laughs) Sorry, future you. You got to keep working out. Yeah, absolutely right. You can't stop. Well, so there's another really important point that you make that I think is going to resonate really well with uh, job seekers and such like that uh, that are out there. So in the book, um, you talk about in order for you to be successful in the work that you want, you have to first have the ingredients in place. And you reference a cooking concept called maison place. I believe I pronounced that correctly which is the process of having all of the necessary ingredients right in front of you before you begin to cook. So you offered an earning checklist as a mise en place for anyone who wants to take any take on any kind of change or challenge. Can you tell us more about that? This is something I actually started studying when I got my PhD at UCLA, and it's what leads to success in anything. There are a few key variables I talk about. I think these are very important for job seekers. First, motivation. Now, when I say motivation, everybody's motivated to get a job. They're motivated to make money. They're motivated to be a TV star. They're motivated to do something, right? Right, right. Well, that's not the point. Are you motivated to do the work required to get there? 
Yeah. Are you motivated to make the effort? I remember a funny story. Many years ago, a couple of kids came to my, or three kids came to my house. They're 32 years old, getting their PhDs. And at the time, I lived in Rancho Santa Fe, California, and basically what was a mansion. This kid looks at me, he's 32 years old, and he says, you know, we're going to do what you do when we graduate. <laughs> well, so that's nice. nice. Uh, what do you mean? Oh, we're going to, you know, like those fancy people you coach there in the book there, we're going to coach people like that when we graduate. I'm sitting there. At the time, I had written or edited 35 books. They're sitting there in a mansion, which, by the way, somebody had to pay for. That would be me. I was yeah. brought up poor. Um, I have, at the time, 10 million frequent flyer miles on American Airlines. Yeah. You know wow. what I'm thinking? You want to be me? Get the work. Yep. You got to earn that, kid. You may think somebody gave me this stuff. Sorry. You go fly the 10 million frequent flyer miles. You write the 35 books. Tell me how easy it is next week. Well, it's hard. And the thing is, we they were motivated to get the outcome. They, they had no idea to be motivated to do the work. Yeah. So motivation is, am I motivated to do the work required to get the outcome? The second thing is ability. Do I have the potential to actually do this? Is this, I mean, you could be motivated to play in the National Basketball Association all you want to. If you're five foot four, it's highly unlikely that's going to happen. Right. There's no amount of motivation to make any difference. Right. So do you have the potential ability to do it? Number three, do you understand what to do and how to do it? Do you have a good understanding of this role you're going to be in or the role you have been in? And it, you can have all the skill in the world, but you need to know what to do and how to do it. And the next one is, do you have confidence? Do you believe in yourself? Do you, you know, are you, are you confident? You're willing to go out there and go for it or not? And if you don't have confidence, well, maybe you're probably not going to go for it. So four individual variables in that clip, motivation, ability, understanding, confidence. When you go for the job interview, you need to communicate, one, I am motivated to do the work required to be a success in this. Right. Not I'm motivated to get the money, the status, the job title. Everybody's motivated for that. I'm motivated to do the work required. I love doing the work required to get there, not there. Everybody's motivated by money. The second thing is ability. Here's why my skills align with this. The third thing is understanding. By the way, study the job before you go to the interview. Understand what you need to do and how to do it. Study that. Motivation, ability, understanding, and communicate a sense of self-confidence. I believe I can do it. I believe I can do this job very well. Now, the other two factors in our earnings checklist are support. To be a success in anything, you need support. We all need help. People ask me, do I have a coach? I have someone call me up every day to try to help me. Why? <laughs> My name is Marshall Goldsmith. I'm too cowardly and undisciplined to do all this hard work by myself. <laughs> I need help. Yeah. And it's okay. And by the way, all those fancy people that I coach, if they didn't need help, why are they hiring me? Right. I can't help perfect people. They obviously don't think they're perfect. You wouldn't hire me. We all need help. Who are we kidding there? So get the support you need to be a success. If you're a job seeker, what support do I need? Maybe you need some help to write a resume. Maybe you need help to know, go through the job, listening to these podcasts. Get the help you need, right? And then the final thing, very important for job seekers, though, is market. Yeah. Is there a market? The reality is I can have all the motivation, ability, confidence, everything. If there's no market, it's not going to matter. Have you ever heard this phrase before? Uh, follow your bliss and the money will come. I've heard that. That is nonsense. 
follow your bliss. Every waitress in Hollywood is following their bliss, right? Yeah. And they're 99% 10 years from today are still going to be waiting on tables. Yeah, you're right. There's no market. You've got to go somewhere. There is a market. You can't just say, well, I'm going to do this. And because I want to do it, it's going to happen. I live in Nashville today. My neighbor across the street is Taylor Swift. Good luck on that one. The odds <laughs> on you being Taylor Swift are not real good. Every waitress in every every place, they're all going to be Taylor Swift when they grow up. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe, <laughs> Maybe not. not. You've got to look at the market. Even my daughter, I love my daughter, Kelly. Now, my daughter, Kelly, graduated from Duke. Oh. Okay. And with honors, I'm very proud of her. She was on the TV show called Survivor Africa, the third season of Survivor. Love Survivor. No kidding. Yeah, so she's going to go to L.A. because she was on the cover of TV Guide, met Letterman, Regis, all this stuff, right? She's going to go to L.A. and be a movie star. Oh, that lasted about two years. You know, she uh, got her butt handed to her over mm. and a boom, boom, rejection, rejection, rejection. Yeah. Well, good. She really learned a lot of humility. It was good for her. She went back to school. She has two master's degrees and a Ph.D. from Yale University. She went to Northwestern, taught there for a while, got early tenure at Vanderbilt. Now she's an endowed chair, full professor, and chairman of the marketing department at Vanderbilt. Wow. Very proud of her. Yeah. But you, you know what she said? Uh -huh. She said, getting a PhD in Yale is easy compared to Hollywood. Wow, what a powerful she statement. Said, you, get a, you get a PhD at Yale on Friday night, you go to a party, you go to a party. Hollywood on Friday night, you go to a party, you work. Yeah. Well, for you job seekers, you, you got to look at the market out there. You got to look at the market and you, you, if the market, if the market is impossible, there's not much you're going to do about it. I went to UCLA when I went to school there, it was hard to get in this year, 165,000 applicants, man, the market is awful tough out there. Well, so Marshall, I, I'm going to pause for dramatic effect here. And I'm going to ask the folks, man, if you haven't picked up a pen yet, Pick up a pen. This section that we're in, this is some things that are going to help you with your job search wherever you are with it right now. This is your earning checklist. Marshall went through motivation, ability, understanding, confidence, support, and the marketplace. If you are not considering those things, if those things are not a part of that, you're, you're probably not as far along with your job search as you want to be. But okay, Marshall, so, so I follow my earning checklist. I'm doing the things, okay? And I prepare myself to get on the road to earning, uh, to living an earned life and to having an earned career. How do I hold myself accountable to the things I need to do? And what's governing the progress that I'm making? Well, I'm now going to share something with the listeners that takes maybe three to five minutes a day, costs nothing. Hmm. And it's going to help you get better at almost anything. Some people are thinking, yeah, right. <laughs> Five minutes a day costs nothing. Help me get better at almost anything. That sounds ridiculous. Too good to be true. Half the people that start doing this quit within two weeks. Huh. And I do not quit because it does not work. They quit because it does work. Interesting. What I'm going to teach you next is real easy to understand. Take my word for it. It's real hard to do. Look at the names in the book. Those aren't idiots. They'll all tell you this stuff is hard to do. You tell me this stuff is easy to do. You've proven one thing. You never did it. Mm. Give it a shot and tell me how easy it is. Well, it's hard. Here's a pretty simple process. Get out a spreadsheet. Write down a series of the most important questions for your life right now. What's most important in your life? What do you want to do if you're a job, a job seeker? Did you call people? Did you network? What did you do? Every day, get down those questions. 
every question has to be answered with yes, no, or number. Yes is recorded as a one, no is a zero or a number. And then at the end of the week, seven boxes across, one for every day of the week, you get a report card. Now, I'm going to warn all your listeners that report card at the end of the week will not be as beautiful as the corporate values plaque you see stuck up on the wall. (laughs) See, I've been doing this 25 years. You know what you learn when you do this every day? What's that? Life is real easy to talk and hard to live. Mm. Every one of those 60 people did this every day during the COVID period and reported back every week. And I can tell you, I didn't hear too many perfect scores. Mm. Now, if anyone would be interested in the project process, send me an email and say, uh, daily questions. I'll send you my daily questions, by example, and an article about it. Marshall at MarshallGoldsmith.com. Just send me an email. I'm happy to send it to you. I'll share some of my questions, for example. How many times yesterday did I try to prove I was right and it wasn't worth it? Hmm. I don't see too many zeros on my scorecard. Kind of hard for that old professor not to be right all the time. Or how many angry or destructive comments did you make about people yesterday? Don't see enough zeros there either. I mean, we don't want other people stabbing us in the back. Why are we stabbing them in the back? How many minutes did you write? How many push-ups, sit-ups, just questions about life? My friend Jim Moore would tell you this saved his life. One of his questions, are you currently updated on your physical exam? Well, the first 90 days he did this, he said no every day. After 90 days, he said, this is ridiculous. I got the exam or quit asking the question. He got the exam. What the doctor said, you got cancer. Now, that was many years ago. He's going to be fine. I talked to him last week. Yeah, good. The doctor said, had you waited seven more months, you would have been dead. Hmm. He knew he should have got the exam. He just didn't do it. Well, if your listeners do this every day, they're going to get better. And I'm going to finish with six questions every day. You're going to have a happier life and be more effective. They are number one. And they all begin with the same phrase, did I do my best too? Now, my daughter Kelly taught me about this. Did I do my best to? You know what? I didn't say you succeeded. Did you even try? Right. Number one, every day, did I do my best to set clear goals today? As you said earlier, every day is a new day. Set clear goals for today. Number two, did I do my best to make progress against these goals today? Did I do my best? Number three, did I do my best to find meaning today? Every day, create meaning in your life. Number four, did I do my best to be happy today? Hey, we're all going to die anyway. Hmm. I still have some fun here. Amen. Number, <laughs> number five, did I do my best to build positive relationships today? And finally, did I do my best to be fully engaged in what I was doing today? Ask yourself those six questions every day. And the results on our research on this involving thousands of people are amazing. Wow. You're going to end up having a better life. It's hard to do, though. It's hard to do. You know why? You look at that mirror and you know what we quickly learn? Not only did I not do it, I didn't even try. Mm. I didn't even try. That's hard. It's hard to sit there and you realize the reason I failed is because of me. It's a lot more fun to blame other people. Well, you know, and and I tell you, you're, you're really focusing on this point of taking accountability for your own fulfillment. And I think it's doing things like that, that, that puts you on that path. And if we take a hard look at ourselves, I think we're going to see there a lot of times the reasons we're not doing what we want to be doing, why we're not as happy as we want to be, why our family is not, uh, you know, as good a family as we want it to be is we can point that finger pretty close to us, right? Well, you know, when I do this over COVID with these 60 amazing people, Mm -hmm. More than half the discussion had nothing to do with work or, or business. 
Yeah. More than half discussion is the way we act at home, which is often worse than the way we act at work. Mm. And so, you know, it's really good. It not only help you be better at work, it'll help you be better at home and have a happier life. Now, the other one I spend just a couple of minutes on, because we've yeah. talked a lot about getting jobs and all that, is happiness. Mm. I mean, when I'm an old man, I just want to help people have a better life. And I think really important every day, did I do my best to be happy today? Three of the smartest people I ever met are Dr. Jim Kim, simultaneous MD and PhD with honors from Harvard in anthropology, went on to be president of Dartmouth College and president of World Bank. Dr. John Noseworthy, CEO of the Mayo Clinic. Dr. Ross Shaw, head of the United States Agency for International Development at age 37, reported to Hillary Clinton, and now he's head of the Rockefeller Foundation. All brilliant guys, all medical doctors. I asked him this question independently. On the average day, one to 10 scale, how would you score in the question, did I do my best to be happy today? I'll have the same answer. Never dawned on me to try to be happy. Hmm. They were so busy achieving stuff, it never dawned on me to try to be happy. Because they're all medical doctors. They didn't dawn on you're going to die. They covered that in medical school there, death. They brought that one up. And I said, yeah, they, they covered death in medical school. That was a topic. <laughs> I, said, yeah, I said, you think this is a silly question? I said, no, it's an important question. I just forgot to ask. Well, don't get so wrapped up with your career and everything you forget to be happy. One of the great guys, guys in our group is named uh, Safi Bacall. Safi's a brilliant scientist. And he said, I finally realized happiness and achievement are independent variables. He said, there are people in our group who've achieved a ton and are very happy. There are people, who, and I know people who've achieved nothing and are happy. There are yeah. people who've achieved a ton are miserable, and people who've achieved nothing are miserable. Happiness and achievement are independent variables. I said, Safi, I'm so glad you realized that. You already have a PhD in physics from Stanford. You've written a New York Times bestseller called Loon Shots. You have started businesses, four businesses successfully, made a zillion dollars, and consulted president. That's not enough achievement to make you happy? You really think a little more is going to get the ball over the line? Hmm. Did you're right. Happiness is great, and achievement is great. Be happy to be happy and achieve to achieve. Achieve to achieve. Don't forget to be happy, though, in your struggle to achieve. It's such an important important point to bring up. I mean, you're right. We talk a lot about this career stuff in our audience. You know, we're trying to help you with your careers. But at the end of the day, happiness is truly important. And you can be happy in the midst of a tough job search if you're committing to it. And by the way, if the potential employer picks up that you're not happy, what happens to your odds of getting hired? So true. And I have seen, I've talked with job seekers who have talked to me after interviews and, you know, you, you cannot come into an interview and not being able to project that because who wants to work with a sourpuss, right? You might be able to do exactly. all this stuff. I don't want to work with you. So right. I always tell my, and the folks I coach uh, about interviews, Smile, for goodness sake. I, I interviewed a lot of people in my career, and, and I always hated when they'd come in and I couldn't see any of their personality. And I guess they felt like they needed to be professional and all this stuff. But you know, show me your personality. Show me your joy. Uh, that's going to help you, too. Well, Marshall, uh, we're, we're, we're getting towards the end here, but there's some one more key point I really want to spend some time on if, I, if we can. So towards the end of the book, I mean, you talk about paying the price for an earned life. And one of the stories that illustrated this really intrigued me. It was a story about a speech given by a CEO who spoke before you at the women's conference. It was a women's business mm. conference. And what she said with the audience was this. She says, only do what's core to you. Everything else, get rid of it. 
What did she mean by that? And how did that well, apply to Well, it was brilliant. It's a UBS, very large Swiss bank. There were all women in the group except me. I don't know why I was there. I was giving some talk about leadership. <laughs> it was for women leaders. Yeah. And she said, look, I'm a woman. I'm a CEO. I focus on three things. One, I want to be a great CEO. Two, I want to be a good family member, help my kids, my, my spouse, be a good family member. And three, I want to stay in shape. She said, that's it. She said, I don't do anything else. And she said, I got some advice for you. You can hire a minimum wage person to do it, hire them and don't do it yourself. So she gets challenged. Someone said, what do you mean? Easy for you to say you're rich. She said, yeah. I know the average salary person in this room. I know each one of you can hire minimum wage people to work. You're devaluing your time. She said, focus on what matters. Mm. focus on what matters. And you know what? You can't focus on everything. Let me give you a couple of things not to focus on. Vicarious living. Don't waste time watching all the basketball, football, mm. uh, video games. Live your own life. If you're short on time, forget vicarious living. Just start living your own life. Take care of your family. Take care of your health. Take care of your career. That's a lot of work. Then if there's some time left, do whatever's left. Right. But don't let that other stuff get in the way of what really matters. So pay the price to be able to focus on the things that are important to you, right? So, I mean, I, so many folks, I mean, you know, rob their time, you know, mowing this huge lawn or cleaning that. I mean, you know, focus on the things that are going to help you be successful and, and pay the price to take care of those other things in other ways. Is, is that the point here, Marshall? Oh, definitely. I'm going to give you an incredibly sad example. Um, there's someone named PewDiePie. It's some Swedish yeah. guy that plays video games online. Yeah, my kids know him. My sons, yeah, he knows him. Yeah, you might want to encourage him to stop doing that. Yeah. Do you know how many times somebody's viewed this idiot play video games online? Mm. 29 billion. Not oh, million, my gosh. Billion. What yeah. a waste of life. Mm. Now, no offense to your kid. Advice your kids stop doing that. Yeah. Talk about vicarious living. They're not only they're not playing a video game by itself is bad enough. Yeah. Watching someone else play a video <laughs> game, that's about as far away from living your own life as you can get. Your kids need to learn one thing. If you want a great life, you know what? Live your own life. Yeah. Don't watch some Swedish guy playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> I can it's, tell you, there may be some advantage of that. It's hard for me to see any. Yeah, it's an interesting world we live in. Uh, and Generation Z, uh, they've got interesting challenges ahead of them. And, you know, I tell you, I, I, looking and seeing the concepts in this book, I think you've done a great service, not only for Gen Z, for all the generations to really you know, pause and think about what it means to have an earned life and to put the effort into getting there. Marshall, I tell you, I mean, it's, it's been truly inspiring walking through this with you, and I appreciate you taking the time to stretch this conversation across two episodes. First time we've done that, I appreciate that a lot. Uh, and uh, I know the work you are doing will have a significant impact on a lot of lives it already has. So do you have any parting thoughts things that you'd really like to share for an audience that's that's really trying to dig into that next level of their career. What uh, what else might you share? Two final thoughts. One thought is the best coaching advice is take a deep breath hmm. and imagine that you're 95 years old and you're just getting ready to die and you're on that deathbed. 
right before you take that last breath, you're given a beautiful gift, the ability to go back in time and talk to the person that's listening to me right now. Help this person be a better professional, have a better life. What advice would that old 95-year-old you, who knows what mattered in life and what didn't, mm. what advice would that wise old person have for the you that's listening to me right now? You know, whatever you're thinking now, do that. In terms of a performance appraisal, that's the only one that's going to matter. That old person says you did the right thing. You did the right thing. That yeah. person says you made a mistake. You made a mistake. You don't have to impress anybody else. Some friends of mine interviewed old folks who were dying on both personal and professional levels said, what advice would you have? On a personal side, number one, three words, be happy now. Not next week. Not Don't get so lost in the day-to-day grind of life, we forget to be happy. Life passes quickly. Number two, friends and family. Never get so focused on what you're doing, you forget the people that love you. And number three, go for it. Yeah, take that risk. Don't be like those people we talked about in the book. You know, just go for it. On a business side, not different. Number one, enjoy what you're doing. Try to get a job you really love doing and communicate that love to people who might hire you. Number two is, um, you know, people. In your career search, in your life, take the time to build great relationships with people. And then finally, just go for it. You know, don't worry so much. Old people, we almost never, I'm 74, we almost never regret the risk we take and fail. We almost always regret the risk we fail to take. And finally, as I've grown older, I've got a pretty simple mission for everyone listening to me right now. My mission is very, very simple. Help you have just a little better life. And if anything I've said either this week or last week, maybe help you have a little better life, this is an incredibly good use of my time. And I want to thank you for the opportunity for giving me the chance to talk with you. And maybe hopefully we helped a few people have a little better life. Boy, I sure hope so. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time and investing what you've invested in in sharing your story and, and these wonderful you know, bits of wisdom with this audience. So thank you, Marshall. I appreciate you being here. Thank you for inviting me. So what did you take away from our time with Marshall? Did you jot down the six questions you need to ask yourself every day? Did you write down the six pieces of the earning checklist? If you didn't, well, good news. You can always rewind and listen again. One more thing I wanna make sure you heard, especially if you're in the throes of a difficult job search right now. You can be happy if you allow yourself to be even right now, but you have to do the things that are going to create those feelings of happiness. If you need additional support with your career or help implementing the things that Marshall talked about, head over to revealtalent.com and get in touch with us. We're always happy to help.